We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Today, we've got a guest joining the show to kick things off. We will be getting into a little fan question and answer in just a little bit. But before that, my buddy Alan Sliwa from ESPN. Alan, how are you doing? Trev, what is shaking, buddy? What is shaking? Ten games left, bud. <laughs> ten games. Let's go. I, you know what? I hope there's more than ten games. I hope there's more than ten games left. For, for the Lakers, but 10 games left on the regular season schedule for the Lakers. Uh, Alan, people have seen me doing the the live call over on, on playback. People have gotten to see how nervous I get during the game. I've been a wreck. It's been, it has been, it's been a rough go. How have you been holding up dealing with the, uh, the roller coaster of emotions that we've been experiencing over the last couple of weeks here? I'm kind of uh, calm, cool, and disappointed. Like I just oh. kind of hold everything in. Uh, all the emotions just sit there when they lost to the Mavs, you know, I'm, I was in our studio, right. Getting ready for, so I'm across the street at the game. And with a couple minutes left, I got to shoot across the street because the game ends. I'm going to start the post game show. So I get across the street and our feed is probably 15 seconds quicker than the TV feed, right. Our, our radio feed. So I just listened to the broadcast I hear the shot go in. I hear the Lakers lose. And then they show it on TV. I was speechless. I had nothing to say. So while you're stressed out, I think I'm just sitting there um, emotionless at this point because I don't really know what this team's going to do every single night. Unfortunately, it's been a bad week and a half. So it's uh, let's see if it turns around over the final 10. And we've hit the point where, of course, no matter what's happening, even if the Lakers are winning a bunch of games, we're still scoreboard watching because you want to see, you know, where they're going to finish up and things and all that. But now we're at a point where the Lakers kind of need some help. And that's not always occurring. In fact, last night, well, as we're recording this uh, last night, the Lakers got the win they needed over the Orlando Magic. But every other game in the NBA that the Lakers had some interest in did not go the way that they would have wanted. Um, and then as we're recording this right now, we saw the Wolves already got a, a come-from-behind win against the Knicks. The Wolves blow up down the stretch without Anthony Edwards, without Carl Anthony Towns, somehow get a win that nobody would expect them to get. Uh, and right now, we're keeping an eye on on the Kings and, and the Jazz to see what happens there. Is this, if you want to call this the basketball gods, if you want to call this karma, is this punishment for the Lakers approaching the Houston game the way they did? I've seen that sentiment from a lot of Lakers fans. I think the Lakers are, I think so many of these teams from, you call it five to 12, so much of them are just average that 
when you miss opportunities for yourself and you can't, you know, all of a sudden, if you're just depending, what was excited, exciting about scoreboard watching is when the Lakers were taking care of their own business. Mm -hmm. And I think now because they're really inconsistent, you're not sure what you're going to get night in, night out. They lost, obviously, to the Rockets. They lost to the Mavs. It changes some of that. And whether that's karma or it's just basketball and eventually teams are going to win some games. Uh, but you're right. The Minnesota, New York game, you wouldn't have thought Minnesota Timberwolves would go in without Anthony Edwards, without Carl Anthony Towns. Dallas almost beat Memphis earlier. They're going to eventually get Luka back. So um, I think for the Lakers, the portion of just take care of your part, they fail that. And it doesn't mean they don't have time to turn it around. It just means that now instead of, hey, Lakers are in good shape because they're taking care of their own business, you're relying on other teams. Yeah, and that's that's not a place that you want to be in. And again, even if they were winning, we'd be doing that scoreboard watching and keeping an eye on where they're settling. But now it's like, hey, you really have to win your games because teams around you are also winning, and that's creating some issues in the standings for you. Um, looking at this final stretch that the Lakers have here, it's I feel like every game I go into, I'm saying this is a must win. Right, they, they simply have to win this game. But there are some really big ones coming up. I mean, of course, the next one coming up is we've got Wednesday night. They've got the, the Phoenix Suns. Then you've got OKC. You have a couple against Chicago. You've got a couple against Utah. Um, what do you expect from the Lakers record-wise? Or what do you think needs to happen, I, sh I should say, for the Lakers to, at the very least, get themselves into the play-in mix? What do they have to finish in these final 10 games? So I, I think if you'd asked me this question at the all-star break, I would not have think I would not have thought 500 probably gets you in. And when I'm talking about 500, your overall record, 500, um, six and four over these final 10, I think they grab one of the 10. Now I'm not telling you that that's ideal. I'm not telling you that you're comfortable with that. What I'm telling you is there's enough inconsistency from a lot of these other teams that, being two games over 500 over your final 10 kind of stands out a little bit. You know, I, I'm not sure how teams like the Warriors or the T-Wolves or or let, let me not go with those teams because the Warriors, I still think I know they've been really bad. I know they've been awful on the road, but I still think they're the Golden State Warriors. The Timberwolves are going to get help back. So let's not count them. Dallas is going to eventually get Luka back. Let's not count them. You're really looking at Utah. You're looking at OKC. You're looking at some of these teams where I feel like that's going to be your opportunity. Um, I think if you go six and four, I think you'll grab one of the top 10. Now, if you want to get one of the top eight, probably got to go seven and three, you know, something along those lines. And that's tough to look into this camera and say it with a straight face that the Lakers are going to go seven, three over their last 10 and be two games over 500 when the dust settles. We know every time they've got close to 500, they've lost. They had that opportunity against the Knicks a little bit over a week ago. They had that opportunity against the Rockets, then they lost two in a row. So um, it's not going to be easy. All these teams got something to fight for. Chicago's got something to fight for. Phoenix wants to stay in that top four. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, they've already stocked up so many picks. Why not try to make the playing tournament, give their fans something to cheer for? Utah got so many picks for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell um, I kind of think the same way for them. So I, I think six and four, you're one of those top 10. I'm looking at, in terms of you win six, I think those six have to include wins against the Jazz. You have to win those games. Uh, you got to win the game against the Thunder. Like those teams you're directly competing with, those are the must wins among those six. 
and you can drop some of the games that are that are to the other teams. But it's not going to be just go. I think it's six and four. Yes. But you have to win very specific games, I think, in order to get to where you want to go. And again, like you said, the 10 seed's probably not ideal. You'd like to, and they've had opportunities to do it, but you'd like to move up to the 7th seed, to the 8th seed, right? I mean, have have a double elimination situation rather than, than single elimination. But again, you have to take advantage of those opportunities and those uh, those recent losses. Ooh, those are really hurting. Trev, just so you know, I'm going to get a lot of you-know-what on YouTube. I average about one sneeze, I think, every other show. So the fact that I just sneezed right there, there will be some comments on that. So, yeah. <laughs> My uh, average. Well, the, the, that's okay. Uh, you know, it, there is regression to the mean. That's that's a thing. There's a, I believe there is, at this point, a drinking game around around that phrase in me. So, you know, what that, that meant it, it was bound to happen, right? Um, to so, Alan, let me just... just I'm just going to say this bluntly. What's going on with Anthony Davis? What's what is happening here? Why why are we not seeing AD be this dominant force that we're expecting? The the one A superstar take over take over games, fifteen points against the Orlando Magic. What, what's happening here? Um, the best way that I can describe it, I, I think, I think he's in his own head because. Players are going to get double teamed. Players are going to get triple teamed. That's what happens typically to superstars. Braun, we see it all the time. Go to some of these big men. You don't think Joel Embiid is seeing double teams. You don't think Nikola Jokic is seeing double teams or Giannis Antetokounmpo. They all are. Um, Teams are planning around these players specifically. And I know for AD, it's a little bit different because Braun's not in the lineup with him. That takes a lot of the, the pressure off. That takes That allows him to kind of be a little bit himself. Um, I think he's thinking too much. That's it. You're going to the free throw line yesterday. He was three for six. The game against the Mavs, he you know obviously missed the key free throw. He's missed key free throws in a number of games here, whether it's the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, um, you know, obviously the Dallas game as well. I think sometimes he gets in his own head where, well, let me try to let me try to make the right play. I get that. I understand that. I, I respect players trying to make the right play, but what makes some of these superstars also so special is when they say, I don't really care what you throw at me. I'm taking over the game. And, oh, by the way, throw your double team. I'm going to get to the free throw line. And I'm going to take 15 free throws. And I'm going to hit 12 or 13 of them. And um, two of your guys that you have are going to have five fouls when we get into the fourth quarter. I don't feel like, you know, that's not there on a consistent basis. And I don't think it has anything to do with physical because it seems like physically he looks good compared to, you know, how he has – these last couple of years. Um, And I think there are just times where I think he gets too caught up in the, all right, I'm going to let somebody else take over, or I'm hoping another person takes over. And I don't think you could have that mentality if you're a player of his caliber, or that's just the difference between him and some of those other superstars that I was talking about. I don't think it's anything physical. I don't think it's anything of, you know, all the double teams are coming and they're forcing ball his hand. I think superstars find ways to make it happen. I think he has a difficult time doing that on a consistent basis. Yeah. And that's, you know, some of that can be, maybe he needs to get the ball more on the move. Maybe you involve him in, you know, schematically, I think this is on, to some degree, it's on Anthony Davis to figure it out, right. And come up with solutions here, but it's also on the coaching staff because you know what, ever since the the Toronto game, we've seen teams that have really attacked Anthony Davis defensively, done everything they can to take him out of the game and force someone else to beat them. And they're having a lot of success. And we saw as soon as Toronto did that and had success, we said, oh, well, they get they got to figure it out because now everybody's going to do that. And sure enough, he is getting a ton of pressure right now. 
And over the final 10 games, the Lakers, part of it's on AD, part of it's on the, the coaching staff. They have to figure out a way to get more out of him than 15 points in a, I mean, they're all must wins, but very much a must win game against, uh, against Orlando. That's a little bit concerning here moving forward. Um, all that being said, you know, I, I pulled some stats today and just looking at the Lakers since the trade deadline. And so obviously there's some LeBron mixed in here. He played a few games during that stretch and everything. But when I pulled the stats, it all looks fairly good. The Lakers rank ninth. And now some of this may have shifted with this evening's games, but still this should be pretty relevant here. The Lakers rank ninth in net rating, first in defensive rating. They're mm. taking more free throw attempts than any team in the NBA. They're giving up less free throw attempts than any team in the NBA. The three-point shooting, I think, should come back around. I mean, when I look at all of this, I think, man, this team, this this is not bad, what, the, what this team is doing here. Um, what do you take away from, from all of that? Is this reason for optimism, or is this just too small of a sample size? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think the, you know, the, the stat that meant most to me is I think there was a point this was probably about a week and a half ago. Remember, they were nine and four since the trade deadline, something like that, right? Nine and four since the trade deadline. So they're winning games. They're winning close games, too. They're winning some of those tight games that um, things were going their way towards the end of games. Um, my issue, I think now, I, I think these stats are all great and dandy, but I think ultimately there's a trend happening with the Lakers is what concerns me. What concerns me is... Um, typically the starters are, eh, you know, you, how many, how many different players within that starting lineup can you really rely on? Troy Brown Jr. is not going to be there every night. Uh, Malik Beasley definitely is not going to be there every night. I mean, he's ex incredibly hot and cold. D'Angelo, I think these last couple of games has come back down to reality a little bit since he came back from his ankle injury. AD, we already talked about Vanderbilt's not going to be this, you know, big offensive weapon. Um, if you're going to rely on your bench to bring you back in games, if you're going to rely on your bench to uh, be primary, your primary scoring is coming from the bench. You still got to got You still have to have activity. I think from the starting lineup. I think you still got to got. You can't dig yourself a seven, eight point deficit, whatever it is. Um, that's the part that's most concerned to me. I, I just think there was a flow of basketball that seemed so easy for about a 12, 15 game stretch there, less than 15 games. But there was a stretch there where you felt like, okay, they're winning some of these games. It looks like all these pieces fit correctly. And I think right now we're running into something where um, Beasley almost has to hit some of those shots from the outside. Or like you're saying that, that what teams are going to do is just say, let AD, let's just double AT, AD triple and let's make Troy Brown and let's make Beasley and let's make Vanderbilt. Let's make all these other guys beat us. I think the stats could be promising to an extent, but just watching the Lakers play, sometimes I don't like their energy. Sometimes I don't like their – I thought they walked into that game against the Houston Rockets just assuming that the Rockets were going to lose. Um, that sense of urgency when you're two games below 500, you want to feel it a little bit more. And I don't know if there's a stat for that, but that, that part has been disappointing to me. So it's not that the stats are not favorable, but – it's also, I think, just watching the Lakers play over this last week and a half. They've looked different than they did prior. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. There's a there's a different energy right now around them. Um, a lot, maybe a lack of confidence to some degree, particularly when we look at, at like Malik Beasley. But you're right. They, I was expecting 
certainly against Orlando. And I I've mentioned this a few times now. Um, I was expecting the Lakers to come out with a desperation to them. And I didn't really get that sense. And that's, you I know, agree. obviously with Austin Reeves having a huge night, he played fantastic. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He obviously gave everything he had on the, on that floor. Um, so I'm not saying every single player, but just as a team in general, it felt that game felt like, okay, it's a, it's a Sunday night, you know, not, not so much like this is a game that we are really determined to come out here and play with force and take this game and win it because we're mad about what happened in the previous two games. I just didn't get that sense from them. And so I'm a little bit concerned like you are about that. You mentioned the starting lineup. Is it, is it time to abandon the Malik Beasley in the starting five thing now that he's been, you know, he just, his shot just doesn't seem to be coming around. Well, it's actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm sure you get a lot in your post game show. I get it a little bit as well. Hey, do you start something different? When I initially, when the idea initially came up, I'm like, no, I'm good. I like, I like having all those weapons come off the bench. Problem is you can't go, you can't be down seven, down 10. How is Beasley going to get the looks if Anthony Davis isn't on the floor either? Like, I think that has something to do with it. He's probably going to get his best looks when AD's on the floor and D'Angelo's on the floor. Um, 10 games left. I think you've already gone this far. I would not be surprised if Darvin Ham keeps riding the same starting lineup, but I'm also okay with trying something different. I'm okay in a second half saying, okay, hey, this didn't work in the first half. In the second half, I'm going to I'm gonna bring Beasley off the bench. Like, it's okay to show a little desperation when you're kind of desperate, right? There's only, you know, we keep talking about this, 10 games left. You can't, you lose your next two games hypothetically, if they just lost to the Suns, which could easily happen, and then they lost, you split those two games. Let's just use that as an example. You have eight games left now. I mean, the just the margin of error is so small. So, Trev, I don't think anybody should be married to anything, and at any point, if you want to try something different because you're desperate, that's how it should be when it's coming down to the wire. And speaking of coming down to the wire, uh, Alan, as we're talking here, it looks as though the Kings are indeed going to drop their game to the Utah mm. Jazz which means both the Jazz and Wolves will have one tonight. Uh, both of them shorthanded and one against teams that they were heavy underdogs to uh, and pushed the Lakers down to 11. Mm. Unbelievable. Well, Unreal. and I'm now right as you mentioned that, I started – and I was watching some of that game on the league pass. Um, this is the um, – this is why you're playing with fire. These yep. past couple of weeks, this last week and a half is a perfect example of it. Trev, there were games, the Rockets and the Dallas game. Hey, you know, if they won those two games, they'd be in six right now. That's what we were telling ourselves, right? This is kind of the conversation that we're having. The problem is that's not how the NBA <laughs> looks at things, nor does every team that plays the Lakers. They love, love when the Lakers lose. And, you know, I, I think there's something about there's some of these other markets. Let's use the Jazz. You just used Utah, Sacramento. It's a perfect example. Utah got all its picks they were looking for. If they can give their odd, if they could give their fan base, everybody keeps saying all these teams are going to tank. They're going to stop trying. No, they're not. If they could give their fan base a playing tournament game or maybe two, and they got all those picks, that's a great building block for them. So mm -hmm. it, this is the danger that you play with when you lose to teams that you're supposed to beat and. I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised. I'm really not. This happens in the NBA all day long where teams upset each other. And if the Lakers, um, you know, if they had just taken care of their business, they wouldn't be, in, you know, kind of such a desperation spot. Yeah.
Absolutely. And then that's just it. That's, you know, that's on the Lakers. They need to realize the, the gravity of their situation, understand how important it is that they go out there and they win every opportunity that they're given to. Um, again, this doesn't mean that they're out or anything like that, but man, no help for the Lakers uh, tonight. And this one, the Mavs at least lost, but yikes, the two teams, the Lakers were directly tied with for, uh, for the, what, what is that? The nine ten seed, both of them winning improbably winning. And uh, that puts the Lakers in a very tough spot for the time. Well, being. Again, I, I would the- say this too: the, the Mavs losing the game, <clears throat> the one that that's kind of the one that if you said, all right, well, you could let any of those teams, I'm just pointing out that Luca's going to eventually come back. And I don't yeah. think they're going to be this awful, this terrible. And I think Mavs have the tiebreaker on the Lakers they too. Do. So they almost need some of these other squats to lose. But Again, you, this is the that's the danger that you're playing with. Yep, just makes the two games remaining against the Jazz and against the Thunder and all of these other teams that much more important that the Lakers do take care of business here. Um, Alan, it's going to be a nerve wracking couple of weeks yes, here sir. as we as we finish out this season. Hopefully, the Lakers can make their way into the play in, but it's not going to be easy, and they have to get out of their own way and make things easier on themselves because we haven't seen a lot of that lately either but thank you so much for for coming on here today alan i I truly appreciate it you got it buddy thanks trev all right everybody make sure you stick around we're gonna uh, open up the mailbag in just a moment we'll be right back for that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We are going to open up the Lakers Nation mailbag. Most of these questions coming from the Lakers win against the Orlando Magic. 
Uh, we'll dig into some of those. And to help me do that, it's Sean Spaces Davis from LakersNation.com. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back on. And uh, it's always good to talk about a win, especially uh, after the recent struggles against Dallas and Houston. Yes. Yeah. Always nice to talk about a win. Lakers fans, though, ooh, still nervous right now. Ten games to play and the teams around them just keep winning. The, went, out of four games that the Lakers had interest in this evening, just one of them went the way that they wanted. And it wasn't even a one that matters all that much. The Mavs dropping their game to the Grizzlies, but the Jazz and the Wolves winning their games improbably. Uh, non-star players blowing up for those teams. And uh, the Lakers have now been dropped down to the 11th seed in the Western Conference. All eyes on LA for their big matchup coming up against Phoenix on Wednesday. But oh, it's going to be a nerve-wracking few weeks here, Sean. There's no question there. Let's let's get into the mailbag and see how fans are feeling, see what they're thinking. The Urban Progressive said, Refs miss, missed the landing space flagrant foul on Austin's three-point shot. Also, AD has been a non-factor on offense in the fourth of the last few games. So... We saw that on playback. Um, there was the, I, I can't remember who that was, who got their foot in the landing space. They were called for a foul. I want to say it was Ben Caro. Um, got called for a foul on Austin. He got the free throws, but they didn't get the flagrant foul that you typically see. I don't know if that's just because his foot wasn't far enough forward or, or what on that. I don't want to focus too much on that, though. I do want to talk about AD. Uh, we saw the Raptors, and I just talked about this a little bit with Alan Sliwa. We saw the Raptors throw everything at AD defensively to try to take him out of the game. And it worked. And we said at the time, the Lakers better figure out counters to this because now everyone is going to do this. And it feels like since then, AD has, you know, some of the fault is on himself. Some of it's on the coaching staff, but also because of the schemes other teams are running, he hasn't been the offensive force that the Lakers need him to be. What's going on there? What do the Lakers need to do in order to unlock Anthony Davis so that he is a factor on offense. The analogy I used on the post game show last night was they need to stop play calling Anthony Davis. Like he's Kevin love. But what I mean by that is there's, and I, and I keep bringing this, but like guys like Joel and B Nicole Jokic, you will never ever see like consecutive stretches at a time in a close game in the fourth quarter where they did not, where, where they don't touch the ball. I watched the uh, bull Sixers game. I had some interest player-wise for a, a parlay or whatever, right? So I was watching that game, and it, it was a crazy game. Went to double overtime. When the Sixers needed a basket or when, like, the offense stalled or whatever, it was Joel Embiid easily every time. Like, there wasn't a, a thought about, ooh, are they going to give the ball to Embiid here? Like like us Laker fans have, Trevor, when it's a tight moment. Like, ooh, are, are we going to give it to AD? No, with the Sixers, it's – Okay, Embiid's touching the ball, and we were going to come hell or high water. He's going to get the ball on this possession. So I think it is. it automatically first starts off with play calling Anthony Davis better and scheming him up better. Um, and because a lot of the offense, it, it, it runs through the guards a little too much, quite frankly. Like their, their top two series are their double drag series, where a lot of times ends up in a Dennis shooter pull up, a D-Lo pull up, or, or something along those lines. Or – their, their snap or their horns out series, which again, almost always eventually ends in a guard finishing the play. Or if AD does get a touch, it's off a lob or off a dump off, things like that. So I think that's where it starts off at. I mean, I don't even hate if AD gets the ball, accepts the double team, and then kicks out of it. You yeah. swing the ball quickly enough, you're going to, instead of a guard taking a step back, you know, pressured shot, you're going to get an open look as a result. 
Um, but you got to get Anthony Davis the ball. And, and you may have to figure out ways to scheme that. But my goodness, get the guy the ball and then go from there. Let him attack. Yeah. But, and and I know sometimes the defense gives him this, but late in games, let's go to the basket instead of settling for the pull-up. Uh, Jay Soft said, tough wins and bad losses equals bad coaching. Hashtag fire ham. AD needs good point guard play to excel. Bench Dennis and Beasley. I didn't think Dennis was terrible against Orlando, but Dennis is not. Dennis isn't kind of the the setup style point guard, right? With Austin Reeves, with D'Angelo Russell, with with Dennis Schroeder, you have three primary initiators that are very very different in terms of how they go about doing that. But I didn't think Dennis was bad. Look, Beasley's shooting has not been good. There's no there's no question there. He has not lived up to the billing so far shooting the ball. Um, I pulled the stats today though, and he is five makes off of his career percentage from three. Like literally really? he made five. Th- yeah. He's only five makes off of his career percentage, but he's taken 124 threes so far, which is a lot. But yeah, if he made five of the shots that if five of the shots that rimmed out went in, he'd be shooting 37%, almost 38% from three right now. Um, that said, he is still not shooting well enough for the Lakers at the moment. And he has looked shaky. So I'm not going to argue that Beasley uh, is, is, playing well or anything i don't necessarily put this on dennis though or put this on the point guards in general i think they need to get them involved more but to me that's the coaches need to scheme that in and drive home the point to the guards that hey we're going to do this this and this in order to get the looks for ad right yeah absolutely and um it, it all comes down to like what what there's a great quote. It might be from Mike D'Antoni. It's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. And, like, what should not be tolerated from the coaching staff is just, like, looking off AD, not beating him the ball when he gets a, a post. So it's like, that should be, like, a benchable punishment or whatever. Like, if, you, if AD calls for the ball and you do not throw him the ball, you should be benched for at least a significant period of time throughout the game because that just shouldn't be acceptable. He is your best player. You should, I mean, run through him. Um and yeah, really quickly, that that's crazy about the Malik Beasley thing. And I, I I don't necessarily agree with the tough wins plus bad losses equals bad coaching. Um, and then one more point to go back to your point about uh, doubling AD and just swing it, swing it, swing it. There was like three or four straight possessions. I know we want to forget the Dallas game, but there were three or four straight possessions at one point in that game where Lakers fed it to AD. They doubled AD, embraced the double. Swing it, swing it, swing it, wide open three, wide open lane to the rim, wide open lane to the rim, double stuff like that. So, like, when you get the doubles, AD, embrace it, they're going to break down their defense eventually. You're going to get a wide open shot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Matty James, I love Austin Reeves. Even the Lakers have lost. He's always made winning plays and done a lot for this team. Better hang on to him. He's a key piece to this team. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. I won't rehash it too much, but the Lakers will have the opportunity to hang on to Austin Reeves. They're in the driver's seat to do so. But even if they come with them, come at him with that early bird rights uh, offer right now, which will be about four years, 50 million, he might take his time and see what other teams are going to offer and see if he can make the Lakers match a bigger offer now. He's been really, really good. Um, and if the Lakers, if the Lakers could get him to take that early for that 450 offer. Four years, 50 million. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not letting him out of the room if he says okay to that. I'm giving him a pen right then and saying, okay, sign it right now. And if it's, hey, you want to do three years? You want to do a two plus one? Just tell us how many years you want to do. We'll do it. If I'm the Lakers, I am not letting him get away. 
I mean, just like average per year, that's what, like 12.25. So, like, that's a bargain. I, obviously, it's not going to be come out like that exactly, but for roughly 12 to 14, probably million dollars, that's a bargain for the way Reese has played as a play. He's averaging like 19 points in the mm-hmm. month of March. So, love him. Uh, Darius Austin Reeves gave a shout out to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. He did shout out Lakers Nation uh, when he was talking after the game. Thank you, Austin. We we do appreciate that. He he may have meant just Lakers fans in general, but I am going to assume that he indeed <laughs> meant uh, meant us, meant Lakers Nation. And again, we do refer to all you know, Lakers fans as Lakers Nation, indeed. But um, yeah, I'll ask him to to clarify, I guess, if we need to. But uh, for now, I'm just going to take take that uh, he was shouting us out. Uh, <laughs> Got to acknowledge AD's defensive presence this game. Yes. As frustrating as he's been offensively, how many times did we see Orlando Magic players drive into the paint, see AD, and say, whoops, no thank you, and turn around and go the other way? Like, that's a real thing. He is still making an impact defensively. The Lakers have the best defensive rating in the NBA since the trade deadline. He is still a defensive monster. There's no question there. The concerns over AD are on the offensive end of the floor, not defense. He's still probably the third best defender over the past 10 or 15 years. And that's not like any diss anybody else. That's just how good he's been on that end. Yeah, he's been been fantastic. Uh, McLeod <laughs> said AR-15 is clutch. AD-6, not so much. Answer? Yeah, it's in an AD-3. Okay. We digress. We move on. Yeah. Anyway, Anthony Davis wears number three. But anyway, um, just jokes. Big AD love. Yeah. I mean, look, Anthony Davis hasn't been clutch, especially at the the free throw line. Um, Sean Mills said, you take Beasley's option for worst case as a tradable asset. 16.5 million. We talked about that on the previous show, whether or not you pick that up. I say yes, unless you decide you want to try to keep him long term. Like you try to say, well, we'll decline it. We'll give you a three year deal at. 20 million or 24 million or whatever, right? So you can lower the average value of the deal. Um, that's what you try to do with with Beasley. And if he isn't interested in doing that, then you just pick up the option. And then worst case, you've got an expiring contract. That's that's what I'm doing. If I'm the Lakers though, and I'm looking at you know ways to save money or luxury tax bill or whatever, that would be frustrating to see them just walk away from Beasley, knowing that at worst he would have been a $16.5 million expiring contract. Right. And and you could potentially combine that with um, maybe Obama, if you decide to bring him back and you get around like $26 million to work with the, in the trade, if you decide mm-hmm. to go that route. Um, and then like, look with, with Malik Bees, I, I get it. It's super frustrating. And right now he's not playing to the value of that contract, but let's say he like, he hits those five extra threes. Everybody is saying, Oh my God, he's 37% from three without LeBron James. Wait till you add LeBron James back. Mm-hmm. That's perfect market value. Cause like Duncan Robinson, who shot what 40% that one year and got $19 million, like that was a little pricey. So what $16 million for a borderline 40% three point shooter would be great value. So yeah, worst case scenario though, like you said, expiring contract could be a tradable asset. Oh, I mean, imagine if and imagine if he hit those threes against the Mavs and the Rockets. And it flips those into wins. Uh, you know, that, that changes everything, right? 
Jason Sutton, as frustrating as AD has been, I love the idea of Ham staggering minutes with AD, which gives us that one-two punch defensively in the front court. Ham needs to employ more of this regardless of matchup. Staggering minutes. Is he talking about AD and Wenyon, which we I'm did guessing it, I'm guessing it's Wenyon. I'm assuming that's what he meant because we have seen that's been a shift for Darwin. You know, I've had people tell me all the time that Darwin Ham doesn't make adjustments. Um, he might not always make the right adjustments. And I think there's plenty, there, there are plenty of reasons to say that he, he does not. He does make some adjustments. And we're starting to see Anthony Davis play alongside Wenyon Gabriel, the two of them on the floor together. That was something we saw early on in the season. They went away from it. Now we're starting to see it again. I'm assuming that's what this means. And I don't, I mean, right now, the Lakers' backs are against the wall. Give me the guys who are going to fight tooth and nail. And I think Wenyon is one of those guys. And so if he's on the floor and he's playing with AD and he can wreak havoc out there and he can, you know, tip balls loose and, and do all those sorts of little things that may not show up on the stat sheet. Great. I think, I think it helps you win games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point about making adjustments, um, it doesn't always have to be a schematic adjustment or, you know, a counter to what the other teams are. It, like sometimes it's just as simple as a rotation adjustment. And, and like you said, they went away from it at the start, uh, midway point. Now we're seeing more winning in AD. Kudos to winning for earning the minutes back. Um, Cause there was a time, I think Matt made the joke this time. He was like our sixth best player that it's super tough to go from that to like two, three months where you don't get any clock. And now you just reinsert yourself back in was big time in that Dallas game. You did get the win and then was again, really, really, really good against Orlando. And um, a big reason why they won that game. He was my uh, star in your role, I believe. So yeah, kudos yeah. to winning. Uh, Keon said Austin Sealing could be sixth man of the year. Sure. I think he's a starter. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, this could be it. if he's somehow stuck as a sixth man for some reason. Sure. Is this, like, D'Angelo Russell reportedly sees himself as the Lakers point guard of the future? I think D'Angelo Russell, Russell and Austin Reeves is the Lakers backcourt of the future. I agree. Like I like if you told me you can sign up for four years of that, I would say yes. Let's do that. Where, where do I sign up at? I have my pin already, Trevor. Trevor, where, where do I sign up at? <laughs> Let's sign off on that. Let's do it. Uh, Basher said, "Can Delo not have an interior game, or does Delo not have an interior game? He's not the I, quick twitch athlete, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it's the he doesn't have the burst to be that kind of insane. You know, he's not Jaw who's going to get into the paint." and leap and just kind of float for like five minutes and then hit a shot. That's never been his game. That's not what he does. Right. And I haven't looked at the numbers, but I do understand why people ask this question because it does feel like D'Lo doesn't, and he's not jar. He's not even like one of the craftier finishers, like a Kyrie or even a Steph who's a way better finisher that he gets credit for. But I feel like D'Lo's game is just so much out on the perimeter. It kind of like, puts a limit on what he can do and therefore what the offense can do when you play call for D'Angelo Russell, because like when they run their high ball screen stuff, it's basically for D'Lo to shoot instead of, you know, get downhill, put pressure on the rim and then kick it out. So um, maybe I'll look at the numbers after this, but that is a very good uh, comment. T2. So the way Austin Reeves sat down on the court after that Mavs lost, you can tell that no one has the beast of a heart to win like he does right now. He is the prototype of a player that Kobe would have crushed the league with. Pay him. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, look, I, I haven't heard anything to suggest the Lakers have any interest in letting him go. Um, I think they absolutely should pay him. But yeah, I mean, look at the Orlando game, right? I was looking at that as must win, and we're going to find out what the Lakers are made of. And honestly, I expected that team to play, the Lakers to play desperate, to play with that type of intensity all game. And I don't feel like we really saw that, except for a few players. Austin, Wendy, and some of those guys were were killing it. You could tell how much that game meant to them. And I want to see that from the rest of the team. I want to see everybody care, uh, or at least look like they care about what happens here over this final stretch of the season here. Um, I still think they have a chance to, to do something here. And, and I hope that Austin can be the guy to, to kind of get everybody else to fall in line and, you know, put forth that kind of energy, that kind of effort. Yeah, I agree. Um, Adam Smith, Austin should start over Beasley. He makes the offense move and plays better defense. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about this a little bit. Like, if Beasley's hitting shots, I can understand the argument why LeBron would, would if, if LeBron is in the lineup, why you would start Beasley. Because in D'Lo and LeBron, you have two initiators, and you need floor spacing. And Beasley is more of a gunner from three. He's going to attract more attention than Austin would. And if you have two initiators already on the floor, then in some ways, maybe you're wasting the initiating role that Austin can, can fill. Without LeBron in, though, and I, I could say, even if you make that argument, I think Austin is playing so much better than Beasley right now that that's still not what I would do. I wouldn't start Beasley based on how Austin is playing right now. I'm starting him. I'm playing him. Can he play 35 minutes a night? I'm playing him that. Whatever whatever his max is, right. that's what I'm playing Austin Reeves every single night right now. You can't mess around with this. Um, right now, without LeBron, it you need another initiator on the floor anyway. So, yeah, I know Darvin doesn't want to switch up his starting lineups, but, I mean, it, it just makes too much sense, I feel like, to go ahead and make that move. Yeah, and I, I I understand to a certain extent why he still starts Malik, but like Austin's just been insanely good. Like, I mean, hold on, I'm trying to find his numbers right here. Since since the All Star break, he's shooting 58.4% from the field, 40% from three, and he's averaging 17 points and five assists. Like, how does that guy not start? Um, so he, he's just been phenomenal, man, and. Uh, he, he's earned every penny that he's about to receive this offseason. Yeah, and he is he is indeed going to get paid. I mean, you've got to get... I'm just looking back. He got 30 minutes in the Orlando game. 32 against Dallas. 27, 29, 25, 32, 33, 28. I mean, those aren't low totals, but he's... What, maybe your second most important player right now. Like yeah. those, he's got to be playing 35 minutes a night right now. He just, he has to. And like the argument against starting Malik Beasley that doesn't even have, doesn't even have anything to do with Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves, gosh, Sean, is that if you're going to start Beasley, you got to give him a shorter leash. Like there's, and we talked about this last night, Trevor, there's no way Malik Beasley should have played 26 minutes last night. For what? Mm -hmm. So like, if you're going to start Beasley, that's cool. But if he's one for seven or like Ron, like Ron said, hey, you miss one of your first, you go one of your first five or whatever. At like 18 minutes, dude, you got, you're, you're done. 15 minutes, dude, you're done. Reeves, here's an extra 10 minutes where you go play. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, he can be that solution. This guy doesn't have a going. More minutes for Reeves. Joel Lama said Austin went off because he got a haircut. If that's the case, then give him a haircut every single game. Um, if that's what it, what it takes, maybe he'll be bald by the time we get to the postseason. But um, Star Wars said new name for AD is fading with the A and the D and fading in caps. So, you know, it's AD. I don't know. What's... I, I look at Anthony Davis's situation and I put some of it on AD and some of it on the coaching staff. How are you divvying up that percentage of, of blame? Like, is it 50, 50? Is it 60, 40, 90, 10? What, how do you see that? 60, uh, and I'm purely talking offense. Right. Right. Purely talking offense. 60, 40, um, 60 being the coaching staff. 40 on 80. Like, I definitely think there are times where 80, regardless of the scheme, regardless of the play calling, whatever, needs to say, give me the damn ball and move out the way. There are definitely moments like that. And even when he does get the ball, like, there were too many times last night, in the Magic game at least, where he just settled for jumpers, right? And then you had the little 15, like, foot push shot that wasn't falling either. Like, dude, just post up on the block, throw me the daggone ball, and go get a bucket. But like I've said for, I feel like a, a few, a little while now, they need to do a better job play calling for him. Like he's not Kevin Love, where there's four straight possessions in the fourth quarter when you need a basket and he's spaced out in the corner. And you go, Austin Reeves, winning freaking Gabriel pick and roll. Like, what are we doing? What, we, what, why is that happening? Sean, this is something that was not part of their line. I'm glad you, you've been bringing this up. This was not part of their scheme. For most of the season. And it just like I understand teams are selling out on Anthony Davis. And but to me, okay, the defense is paying attention, paying a lot of attention to Anthony Davis. The solution to that shouldn't be, okay, let's remove Anthony Davis from the play. Right. <laughs> like that can't be, hey, your best player, they isn't that just giving the defense what they want essentially? Because look, AD in the corner. He's not shooting well enough from three. He's shooting 25% from three since the trade deadline. So teams aren't going to care that he's out there. Their scheme is to stop Anthony Davis. But if you put him out there, you're giving, okay, great. We just stopped Anthony Davis. Thank you. Right. If I'm an opposing team, I'm going, wait, you're putting AD in the corner. Fantastic. We don't have to worry about him now. What, what are they doing? This makes no sense, Sean. 
it makes no sense. And like you said, this is something that you don't typically see from the scheme. What the Lakers have done, which is actually kind of genius, for 80% of the seasons when they go high pick and roll, they'll have a player occupying the dunker spot still, right? Because now it's a lot harder to help off of uh, be the tag man on the roll because if, let's say, it's a D'Lo Wenyan pick and roll for some reason, right? But AD's in the dunker spot. Let's say D'Lo gets the pass to Wenyan. That low man has to make a decision. He uh, has to step over, and Wenyan is relatively an all right passer. That's an easy dump off. AD gets a dunk, or Wenyan gets a dunk. So it just puts the defense in more of a bind because now you have to make a decision, and either way, you're more than likely going to get burned unless the big who's in the ball screen gets back in time, right? By the Lakers putting Anthony Davis like four straight possessions in the corner, like you said, Trevor, oh, thank you, because AD wasn't crashing the glass from the corner. So you're literally, there's no shot in hell AD is getting the ball in this possession because, like you said, he's not shooting the three ball well enough. He's not going to crash the glass in time to, to impact the play. And, like, now the low man who's guarding AD, he just completely sucks over, and now your spacing is screwed. So, yeah, Trevor, it, it's as much of a mind-boggling situation for me as his everybody else, I'm sure. I, I, I get it if the opposing defense is being told, stick with AD. All eyes right, on AD. AD. Stick sure. with him no matter what, right? And then suddenly he's in the corner. The opposing defense is flummoxed. What what do we do? Oh, well, we're supposed to stay with AD. So next thing you know, there's two guys standing with AD out in the corner and D'Lo gets to the rim for a layup or something like that. But that's going to work once. That's going to work once before the opposing coach is going to say, guys, and most players will probably recognize that on their own and not even need the coach to say it. They'll say, just don't defend him out there. We don't care if he's out there in the court. If AD was a 40% shooter from three, it's a different story. Right. But he's not. You're giving teams what it what it they're trying to scheme AD out, and you're saying okay, you win by putting him in the it blows, Sean. It's making me upset. This is making me mad. Even just thinking about it, <laughs> just thinking about what they're doing with Anthony Davis on the offensive end. Good lord. My bad for bringing it up. But like also, last point. Like to go on at just a cherry on top. AD. I don't know. I'm like I'm probably really over exaggerating this, but. AD with eight shots is going to magically take a corner three with a minute 30 left. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. no, 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 no. You are like, like you said, Trevor, there you go. Jamal Mosley, the, the magic head coach, you win. You win. We're going to beat you with Austin Reeves, the winning Gabriel, which last night, luckily it worked. I think it would be different if teams sagged off AD a bunch in the corner. And that was your way to get AD the ball. You know right. what I mean? Like if teams yeah. were if teams were just abandoning AD completely if he's at the corner and they're forgetting about him and then you hit him and then you let him attack off the dribble from there. Mm-hmm. But even then, that's not ideal. Getting him the ball all the way behind the three-point line and then having him attack. But it, you're I don't know. It's yeah. what it it's not working. It's not working, and it's on the coaching staff to figure out some way to get more from the guy that should be their 1A star on the offensive end right now. Right now. Uh, Brian said AD is the reason they're in this spot, period. He's part of the reason. He's sure. part, and I'm not doing that to try to deflect away from AD or anything. <clears throat> He's part of the reason. There's a lot of reasons why. Like, you can, you can still bring back up the fact that the Lakers started, what, 2-10 and 10 this year. That's a mm-hmm. reason why technically we're in this spot, so... You know, 
Got to move on. Josh, D'Lo, Reeves should start and close games while Braun is out. Sure. Yeah. I, I think those two, AD, and then whichever two wings play the best throughout the game, that's your recipe right now, or should be your recipe until LeBron comes back. Yep. How many shots, and that's the end of our, our mailbag. By the way, thank you, everybody, who, who contributed with Super Chats on the live show and all of that and helped uh, kind of fuel the mailbag here. But just to close things out, if you're Darvin Ham, how many three-pointers do you let Malik Beasley take and miss before you say that's it, you're done tonight? Anywhere between like three and four, like whatever that number is, anything more than four is a little too rich for my blood, but like two doesn't feel like it's enough. But yeah, like three to four, maybe three is a sweet spot. And and I think if he hits a few of them, you say, you say, great, great. We're going to get a hot shooting game from Beasley. Let's, let's go with this. That's what they need. That's what you want here. You don't want to bench Beasley. You want him to start hitting these shots. But, I mean, I pulled the numbers. Beasley's taken 124 threes since the trade deadline, which that's his rule. I'm not saying he shouldn't be taking those those threes, but he's taken 124. The next closest is 70-something. For the Lakers? For the Lakers. I'm talking about since the trade trade deadline. Yeah, here it is. Beasley has taken 124 threes. The next most, it's Troy Brown Jr. who's taken 72. And and Troy Brown is hitting at a 42% clip since the trade deadline. Okay, I guess who's third? Is it Austin? Uh, it is not Austin. Okay, I give up. It's it's D'Lo. D'Lo oh, has 70. D'Lo. D'Lo has 70. Okay. Um, Troy Brown, 72. D'Lo, 70. Beasley's at 124 to lead the team by far. Reeves is at 49, so he would come in. Well, no, Schroeder has taken more threes than Reeves. 54. Yeah, that's probably a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not ideal. But all right, Lakers Nation. Um, things around the NBA not going well for the Lakers. They have dropped into the 11th seed. Uh, the Pelicans have an easy stretch of their schedule right now, so this could they could drop even further. Um, we'll see what ultimately happens here, but they've got to just start winning games, taking care of business, winning games, and hope that at some point some of these teams lose some of the games that they're supposed to because right now that is not happening in their favor. Lakers need to take care of business. It starts Wednesday against the Phoenix Suns. Well, it continues Wednesday against the Suns. Can they get the job done there? And will this team play every game with the desperation that we're seeing other clubs play with? That's going to be critical, and we'll see ultimately what they do. Sean, thanks for jumping on and uh, help me go through the mailbag. Yeah, absolutely. And one quick thought to wrap things up. The Lakers still control their own destiny from seeds four to 12, not kind of Blazers anymore because I think they've eliminated themselves. They still seven of their last 10, if I remember correctly, seven of the last 10 games are teams like the Suns, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, Thunder, Jazz. So they play twice. So Lakers still technically control their own destiny now stretch. Yes. If they like if they were to win out, clearly they're in, but Part of that is also you're playing the Wolves. You're playing the Jazz. These are the teams you're competing with. If you can win while forcing losses onto their record, you're going to leap ahead of it. Even if if you win out and the Jazz win out, except they lose those two games to you, if the Wolves win out, except they lose that game to you, that should push the Lakers ahead. And those I'd have to look and see if maybe there'd be a tie with the Wolves. But in any event, you have to win those games. Yeah. You have to. 
You have to, and we'll see if the Lakers can find a way to get it done. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications, and of course, go follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe.